Welcome to the Movement Made Better podcast, powered by Stick Mobility. We are your hosts, Dennis Dunphy and Neil Valera. Today's guests, we're excited to have Doug Shepard. He is the owner of J&D Fitness out of Las Vegas, Nevada. Doug, go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners, please. Hey, well, first, I want to thank you guys for having me on. It's a great opportunity. I love stuff you guys are doing. I'm actually a fan of your podcast. I appreciate you guys having me on. You guys have really good people on this. I don't know. If, hopefully, I won't drop the ball on this one. You know, the weight, the pressure's on. But uh, yeah, been in the industry 30 years. So I'm one of the old guys. I literally am 50, going to be 51 in a few months. And I can tell people it's been my only job. 21 years of age, man, junior in college. I'm so old. My first job was at a Bally's Total Fitness. I'm aging myself. Wow. Here, man. But oh, that was my always, first job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, first three years. I tell yeah. first three years I did work for somebody. And then 24, man, I've never kind of looked back and have kind of been my own working for myself ever since. Started in the New York area. Uh, that's where I started my career. And then my wife and I, we migrated to Vegas in 2003. But I've kind of gone through it. You know, after school, I was a wrestler in football. I kind of fell, needed a new sport, got into the bodybuilding thing, did kind of well in that. You know, won junior nationals, did that whole thing for about 10 years. And like a lot of people, right? Like that was, I always say in the 90s, you know, that was it. That's all we saw. If anyone ever says like they didn't start with routines from flex and muscle fitness, you're lying because <laughs> so there was right. Like <laughs> I, I've, I've told people three people I kind of I, I lean on a lot. Mike Boyle, you know, great cook. OK. And Alan Cosgrove. Right. Um, Mike Boyle is one of the first guys who I love seeing a lot of his stuff where he took this, this simple layman's approach, took the science and the research and said, OK, how am I going to apply it right to the people walking through my door? But like. I didn't come across Mike Boyle until about 2010, 2008, you know, going back then. Same thing. I say, you know, great cook. We use the screen. I'm a huge fan of it. I started, I'm FMS certified, started screening people, you know, 10 years ago, but early in my career wasn't around. He didn't write movement yet. You know, I run a, a you know, semi-private personal training and private studio. And a lot of the things I modeled when I wanted to open my place was Alan Cosgrove. You know, same thing. They've been around 20 years. So when I started 30 years ago, a lot of these guys who are leaders in our industry, I probably like a lot of people just learned by doing a lot of dumb things, figuring stuff out and in really having my own laboratory. It's like you try things and Point blank, you try things and say, well, just, I'm not getting results. It's not working or, you know, or injury or things like that. But kind of went through the bodybuilding world, 2000, went to an NSCA conference, seeing this guy, Juan Carlos Santana, and talking about this thing called functional training, which blew my mind. So I kind of went from bodybuilder in 2000 to like, I want to stand on a stability ball. So probably like a lot of people, you know, kind of evolved into the whole functional training world and like a lot of us went so extreme right not a little mm -hmm. bit i went from just wanting to be a bodybuilder to just again on a on a bongo board single leg bent row like so <laughs> extreme right and then kind of learned to like you know bring that back under control and then like i said really it was the mid like it's maybe 2004 2005 where like i really started just and I got heavily involved with the NSCA. I recently, I was the state chairman for Nevada for seven years. Got really involved with them because I started just digging deep into the research. You know, that's when I started reading Stu McGill. That's when I started going through the journals. You know, what's the data? Because now, you know, when I started, it's a lot of stuff was philosophical, right? We didn't have the data, right? So after 10 years of doing things and 15 years of doing things, they said, okay, let's do a testing on EMG studies with suspension training. What does it tell us, right? Now we could actually have some hard data. So I think that's when I started really getting involved with that saying, I like to take this 
research-based approach. But to give you guys a, the backstory of my place, the average age of a person walking through my door is 52 years, mm -hmm. right? So I am okay. a general population body comp place. People come to me, you know, I want to drop 20 pounds. I want to get a little stronger going on vacation. And then we start to kind of educate them on the benefits of movement, right? Because that's always like we ask, we have a kind of our success session. We got a screening of questions, goals, and we do this whole assessment. And it's always like, yeah, I guess I can move better. You know, and then we start kind of, you know, we do an assessment. We, and after like a week in our place, they're like, God, I need to move better. You know, they kind of see the benefit. But most people don't understand the benefits. But kind of got involved again with just the research and how I can apply that in a practical way, you know, to the people that come through my door. As I said, I'm RKC, FMS, you know, we are a TRX studio, DVRT studio. So I kind of run the gamut. A lot of the names out there that a lot of people hopefully are using now. I think we've, the industry has kind of made this shift to now movement-based stuff. You know, 10 years ago, you may have been a little bit of an outlier. I think it's, we're all getting more into that, which is good. I think that's a good thing. Uh, we're not doing the body part training anymore. But like I said, that being said, a lot of times I can go to all these conferences and get the book and it's like, okay, it's great, right? And I have someone who can, who says someone, I can go see Mark Rustigan speak and I love Mark and he's amazing, right? But like Mark's working with athletes. And then, like I said, I got this kyphotic 60 year old gentleman who's, you know, walking in my place. And a lot of that stuff, we're not going to be able to apply, right? Like a lot of the stuff to people, that's kind of where we're at. I like to see how can I apply, you know, again, movement based stuff, getting people strong, getting them moving well. And for the most part, people that walk through our door, I think about 89% based on my last check on our analytics, they're looking to drop, you know, drop body fat. So that's kind of my world and the people we deal with. So when you were doing your bodybuilding, looking back, if you had to redo that again, if you could go back mm -hmm. in time, what's one or two things that you would do differently? You know, that's interesting. I always, it's one of those things that when I first, because I, I, I was lucky enough for anyone who's in that world, the gym that I, when I started working for myself and I was an independent contract, like a lot of people, I was renting space in this gym. It's pretty famous. They call it the East Coast Mecca. It used to be a goals. Now it's Bev Francis Powerhouse Gym. Mm, yep. So Steve Weinberger, top IFBB judge, MPC Gym Magnum. So that was the gym that I was renting. I became really good friends with Steve. So that's even before I moved into Vegas and Jay Cutler lives there. I was yeah. friendly with Jay because he'd come to New York yep. and Steve and I've got friendly with Dorian Yates. And, you know, that was an era. And Kevin Lavrone and all these names and these guys in the industry. So I, I, you know, when I got out of the sport, I was a little bit of angry bodybuilder because like I said, it, it was going in a direction I wasn't so happy with. I and mean, just obviously like some of the drug usage and stuff like that and away from the training. But the one thing that I think bodybuilding gave me was again, working for strength. Because I think in that era, you saw, I mean, you go back and I was that guy reading some of the early Mike Metzer and heavy mm -hmm. duty that Dorian Yates applied and learning mm -hmm. about true intensity, which now, I mean, everyone does hit training, right? But I mm -hmm. remember looking back in the 90s where it was about generating intensity, you know, and getting strong and you can't sprint a marathon. So I kind of adopted that. I think looking back on the whole thing is I think as a 51 year now who's, you know, has herniated disc and stuff like that. I think sometimes a volume of training mm -hmm. and, and I think not giving, you know, trying to out train recovery, which we don't, you know, in that type sense, mm -hmm. I think, you know, doing that five days and, you know, two a day workouts and stuff like that. And not, you know, now that we're aura ring and I'm looking at my HRV every morning, you know, and looking at things like that, I wish I would have paid probably a little more attention to that. I was always into 
stretching, right? Because now and we know the difference between stretching and mobility, right? I wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, now we know about nerve, you know, the, yeah, the, the nervous system and, you know, we're looking at joint caps and all these other benefits. So I think I had that. I wish I would have definitely had a little bit more motor control and stuff like that. But like I said, going back, I don't think we were all aware of the importance of that. I will say when I was bodybuilding too, I was lucky, knock on wood, I didn't experience a lot of injuries. Okay. But, you know, the trauma that can come along as we're learning what can happen with that, right? And then trying mm-hmm. to reboot, you know, and, and, and correct these patterns after, after injuries. But, you know, like I said, with the bodybuilding, I wish I would have got a little bit more movement. But for that and that application where the goal is hypotrophy, Mm-hmm. It's size, right? Like yeah. they always say, we always say, like tonight we got the NFL draft, and you know they always say, like you don't, you know, look like Tarzan, play like Jade. You want, you want to train for go, not show. Well, mm-hmm. in bodybuilding, it actually is train for show. Show, yeah, right, right. And and I've written about a blog article. I always tell people, so it's uh, and guys, I can get long winded, so you can just stop me. <laughs> you go, but ahead. it's like so. It's I got to give it a backdrop. So it's 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 two thousand one. Now, like I said, I had a pretty decent amateur bodybuilding career. You know, I did win the junior nationals, light heavyweight, and win the overall. I was a fan for USA, kind of just walked away. So I, you know, I was one step away from a pro qualifier, did well in the sport. And so feeling probably good at myself, right? And now I leave that, but I'm still at the time, probably walking around at a weight of 225, sub 7% body fat, five, nine, all of me, right? And I go to my wife has a family reunion. That's the time I actually, when I've been married, it's my, my wife at the time where we're engaged. So they have my wife, big Italian family. So what do you do at family reunions, right? I mean, you eat an Italian family, we're drinking beer, having lasagna, then you got a softball game. So, you know, I have all her family and they're all kind of poking at me, you know, oh, the bodybuilder, let's go play softball. But I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, I'm the fit guy here, right? Like I got no look at me, right? Yeah. These guys, LEs, you guys, are, they, they haven't even looked at a gym, right? And may, maybe Thighmaster or something, right? And I remember, I, I, to this day, I love this. So I go up to bat, and I remember I hit this thing, ball's gone, I take off, I run the first, I sprint, God knows I probably had not sprinted in 10 years, and I pull up, like, grabbing my hamstring, you know? Oh. And, then, like, and I remember that day watching these guys who, to me, had no physical attributes never worked out they're running around the bases i'm like what's wrong with this picture right because I, I can go in the light press and load it up with a lot of plates right yeah, and i can yep. squat and and i told you it was during this time so again i'm going back pre-2000 and i told you and then i go to this nsca conference and i'm getting into this functional and i kept saying okay jim strong did it really apply over to moving and then i always say he was just a recreational thing that we should all do right like I shouldn't have to train to go to a family union and play a pickup game of softball. And my background, I remember now, you know, high school, college, I was a wrestler and a football player. So I came uh, from athletic right. background and world and kind of after school, it was like, what's my sport? I wasn't doing any pro stuff. I kind of migrated to bodybuilding for, you know, nine, 10 years. But so I, I, I did it at one point in my life and I had lost this quality of movement. It was like, what? Something, you know, and that, that's where some of the questions started. And I think it probably got me down that rabbit hole of looking, you know what, it's really defined strength, right? And, you know, like I said, and, and have the ability to use the strength in different ranges of motion. And that really opened me up when I started saying, I want to have endurance and I want to be strong. I still want to pull a big weight off the ground, right? But like, I would want to go and do a 5K, you know, and then do pull-ups. And then also, like I said, I should have a hard time getting up off the ground, you know? And so I started like, again, going down is really defining, which for me, strength was a component of this aesthetics 
right? And I always tell people, I love the aesthetics too. We all want to look good with our shirt mm-hmm. off on vacation. I'm not, you know, sometimes I think the functional movement people, we get a bad rap because people think you care nothing about aesthetics, right? Yes. right? If you're right. functional, you know, that doesn't mean I want to have a belly. I want, you know, my, I want low body fat, things like that too. I think again, if I could, and I know I gave you asked for the time and I told you how to build a watch, but it, in essence, I think, Getting some component of athleticism, I wish I would have still incorporated a little bit when I was doing the bodybuilding, you know, just some component and really where it was just totally eliminated that. And some people will say this. I've had this discussion with Greg Cook and he'll say with Brett Jones, when Brett puts down the kettlebell and focuses on more deadlifts, you know, it comes at a sacrifice to his movement quality. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So, you know, you go back and forth and then he'll go back and be back with his kettlebell you know, and now. He's not doing sets of three and five in his deadlift and do his kettlebell. And I've had, so you'll see that, you know, there, there's, I think there's a trade-off when you start to go down certain roads, you sacrifice any other, you know, and I think uh, I probably, but again, I don't think I would have excelled in the bodybuilding world, you know, I would have come at a, at a, you know, at a price. Well, Dennis and I, we know a bodybuilder and he threw out his back playing mini golf. I'm not surprised. <laughs> I, 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 so I'll give you, here's, here's another one. So you want to talk back. So back when I was in New York, I was lucky enough. I trained and worked with a bunch of NFL guys. And I was able to work with a few guys who were on, this is the Cleveland Browns before they went to the Ravens. Mm-hmm. And it's actually on the Belichick. So a few guys, and I worked with a few went into the Ravens. But nonetheless, last game in, in Cleveland Stadium, the old dog pound, I, I was able to go down there and watch that game. Two guys that work with him. One of the athletes, I don't want to say his name because he'll get really mad that the story gets out. But um, <laughs> he threw his back out, brushing his teeth and the foam from the toothpaste, tickled his nose. He sneezed. Now he's in oh, that flex position. Yeah. He was back out. He missed practice. Okay. So again, NFL is when you don't miss practice. There's a Wednesday, which is, again, if people follow sport, that's a big day, you know, yeah. preparation. So Wednesday practice. Misses it. Agent, nobody knows where he is. This isn't a big deal. So people are like looking for him at contact and what's going on. But a buddy goes by his house who had a key to the house, opens the door, you know, opens, gets into the house. And he, as he tells me the story, he's like, he suddenly hears this faint voice. Hey. And he, you know, so <laughs> nervous, you come into the house and you hear him so you don't know what you're going to see, right? So he hears this faint voice and he's like, all right. So he like goes up the stairs. And this guy had been locked up for like eight hours and couldn't move over the sink. And I will, I'll give a position, (laughs) but he's a middle linebacker, pretty fit guy. By all means, if we saw him, as they say, like in the, in the underwear Olympics, like that, people would be like, this guy's jacked throughout his back sneezing. So you're right. So you hear stories like that, right? Like, and it just blows my mind, but I was like, come on, to the point you could, I could not move. I was locked up, you know? And uh, so, yeah, I'm not, I'm not surprised with that. Have you found a good way, though, to, you know, infuse some of that bodybuilding practice you did before with all the movement stuff? Do you do that? Oh, yeah. I've had this discussion with people, right? And I have, I'm lucky enough, I have four coaches that work on my team with me. And when I bring on a coach, you know, part of it is I always tell them it's like the education and the psychological part, right? I think being a coach, it, it's really three components. Your foundation is you have to know your kinesiology, physiology, and that you have to know that, right? You got to know movement. You have to know your exercises. I think some people think that's where it ends. And I go, no, mm-hmm. then you got to learn to be a good communicator, right? Because it's not, it's not what I know. It's what I can teach and what I can explain to I always love teachers of anything. I love listening to someone who can take a very complex thing and make it sound very simplistic. So that's part of our job too, because again, I deal with general populations. They don't want to know the benefits of a kettlebell swing. They just want to like drop body fat, even though I know we're going to probably incorporate that. 
So it's being a good communicator. And then the third part is the psychology. It's like knowing the person, personality, introverted, extroverted. This person does likes data. This person, like, you know, it's really knowing and reading a personality. So that being said, one of the things is, is I always tell people, it's letting them know upfront, like benefits. Why? You know, I think mm-hmm. our industry, sometimes we just say, let's do it. Right. Like, you know, I see a young trainer and I'm like, if you can't give someone the benefits of why I'm big on always like there's a why behind everything we do in our studio from the way we format our warm up from the tissue work we do the different. We have four different small group workouts. I mean, some are more strength, some are more hip fat burning, some are more mobility centric. I mean, from our breathing protocol, everything. And I tell them, if I can't give you a why, then why are we doing it? I should give you some reason, right? There has to be, even if it's a philosophical, I mean, not, not everything has data and we know that, right? But at least we have to say, we've seen this and I'm lucky enough that, you know, I would say I use my studio as a laboratory because we'll get 30 or 40 people through our door daily. So, you know, course of a week, you know, we get 140, 150 workouts done in a month and you start to literally see the data. You know, you start to see things and we wear heart monitors so I can start seeing and we do different things, checking mobility and reassess them on a screen. And somebody was this. They were a one and now they're a two. So it's really being able, I think, from day one, everything you do with people, it's really explaining why. Right. Mm -hmm. And if someone says, oh, okay, I see that. But instead of just saying we're going to do this. Right. I I think it's it's really important. And knowing it's got to always cater back to their goals and objectives. Mm -hmm. Right. Like it has to come back to that. So I may screen somebody to give an example, and I will tell someone this is more for me, right? Because they came in and dropped body fat. Mm-hmm. They can yeah. care less about an FMS. They don't know cook gray. What I, you know, they don't, you can, I don't care and all of this and bilateral. That, that, they, you know, I want to drop 20 pounds, right? So I tell them this is a tool for me. So when I'm creating your program, we can jump in. We're not going to waste time. We can jump in feet first. I can meet you at the level you're at and I'm going to keep you safe because at the end of the day, I can't get you fit. If you have an injury, right? And that's your no. why on that, right? They no. don't, okay, we'll do this fine. You just, I, I know you're not gonna, it minimizes my risk of getting hurt, you know, in the studio. So I think a why is important because I think a lot of people, and I'm that guy, I love listening to people speak, but I'm not intimidated. Go, can you explain why are you doing that? Mm-hmm. You know, I just love to go, why? And I'll question things. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a big one to question things. You know, when I, about 2011, 2012 was when I started getting involved with kettlebells. You know, I'm an RKC. I go to, you know, Brett Jones is my master RKC and I'm great friends with Brett now. And but I remember when I first started implementing and doing things with kettlebells. Right. And, you know, they have their core movements that you do with that. When I opened my gym, you know, my big thing is a hip pinch. I wanted everyone if again, if it's an appropriate and they had good pelvic stability and hamstring mobility, you know, I wanted to get people swinging a bell. I thought, especially for fat loss, a great drill get them deadlifts and get them swinging. You know, we start them on the ground, get them up and going. Um, one of the movements we don't do is a snatch in my gym. We don't do it, right? It's not in our protocol. It's like certain drills. We like, we don't do burpees. Like I just, we don't do it. And the reason being is I typically always look at like, I look at the middle, the bulk of my people coming through my door. And most of my people don't have adequate <clears throat> shoulder stability and thoracic mobility for the catch of a snatch. Mm-hmm. So years later, I remember seeing some of my old RKC brethren you know, and, and, you know, we're talking about gyms and they're like, you don't do that. And I go, no, it's just, it doesn't fit my clientele that no. in my own workout, I love a snatch, you mm-hmm. know, and probably out of a hundred people, you know, I might, I could say maybe 20 or 30, maybe good candidates for it. But, you know, I look at the majority, it's not. So there's so many other drills, God knows that we can do instead of that to address that. So I'm a big one where I have no problem saying this is why. 
You know, I'm not going to do it because I mean, and we have to do, you know, our get up. Yeah. Same thing. I've said we do get ups. We do partial get ups. You know, I think it gets to a point where the skill level gets too high. And with my population, I don't have someone coming to my door saying, make me a better kettlebell practitioner. Right. Like I said, I got person wants to, you know, I want to get stronger. I want to drop body fat. And after about two weeks, they go, yeah, I need to move better, too. You know, that we got to educate them on, you know, I think it's having the why, you know, why you're doing something, you know, and really and really understanding it. Not just, again, our industry, God bless them, especially with young trainers, they have a way of regurgitating something they just heard from someone really smart, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and, and I can get Sarah Salmon's book and I pick it up and I'm reading Stu McGill stuff. And like, I, I'm not embarrassed. It, it takes me, it's like reading the Bible. I got to take time to think about it, yep. right? I remember someone once gave me, I'm reading the Diane Ling, the pelvic girdle. I mean, this is like, I'm reading two or three pages at a time. This is not, you know, you know I'm not cranking through this like a, a power novel because to really understand applications of what you're trying to do but i want to really be able to break this down and know what i'm doing not where i could just brace you something and just you know throw it up on you and i'm just repeating what they're doing because then if i have to re- progress it and regress it mm-hmm. you understand concepts you can do that right because you'll say okay i get the concept what we're trying to apply here and i know what i gotta do okay i, I can i can just and, and change that up and that's a great aspect is understanding just to take little bits digest it process it and then figure out where that fits in the whole spectrum that definitely i don't think is done enough but i can tell you so funny story then as i remember the first time i got experienced the sticks and i'm not i do and this has happened right this is classic trainers and i'll fall into this we have to we walk with this sometimes this level of arrogance like we got it all figured out you know and so it was one of these is that a functional training summit i remember i bring my team up and it's a breakout and you've got your booth in the back and i'm like okay Give me the skinny, hit the sticks. And it's the same thing. I've told people this story and I said, I don't know if you have seen the movies. And again, I'm, I'm going to age myself. Old classic white man can't jump. Oh, yeah. Nice. Oh, yeah. Else, right? Of course. Yeah. I, if you remember in there, there's a scene, Woody Harrelson, they drive and puts on the cassette of Jimi Hendrix. And it gives an argument, right? Yeah. And it's like, you know, he goes, I like listening to Jimmy. He goes, you listen, but you can't you hear. hear. Well, right? with mobility sticks, like I, I was listening, I couldn't hear it, right? So it was one of these things I really... You know, when I first saw it, I was like, okay, I'm in my first thing, I, I wear a few different hats. I'm going to wear the coach. I want to know that, you know, size, file, okay, fashion lines, I'm getting it, good attention, okay. Then I always, I kind of wear the operator hat, like, okay, now is this going to be something I'll be able to teach easy to my guys, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and then they're not even the guys with me because you got to look at it, the next trainer you hire, right? And they may be a beginner. They're going to be able to apply this and then teach it. Is this something I got to have a high skill level? Can they learn it in a few months and be off and running and at least have a good basic? And then I'm, I'm the owner, right? Like mm-hmm. I run my place. So I'm going to be like, is it going to be something that's an expense we're replacing? And I, I said, I always, I kind of go through that one because I got coaches. They see bright, shiny new toy. Every other, my coach is always like, hey, why don't we start this? And I'm like, okay, breathe. Take a second. <laughs> but, but with the sticks, I remember that weekend. I was like, okay. And we purchased some. And I always like to go back and then just play with something myself for months, right? I don't apply it in our studio. I always tell guys, that's when we got to become practitioners of it. And it took me two, three months. And then I had this like light switch go on because one of the bigger challenges, especially dealing like, again, my population, you deal, I, I deal with an older population. And you know, one of the things when we're trying to get people strong, creating tension through the body, right? And I've said this, and I'm not just saying this because your podcast. The sticks are one of the best tools teaching people the concept of radiation, mm-hmm. right? Just teaching them to create tension. 
We also, I mean, we use the ultimate sandbag. I love them. Similar thing. We do similar things, different, different tools, similar mm-hmm. tactic, but it's trying to teach somebody to create tension through the whole body. Right. Mm-hmm. And I found the learning curve on that like this, which I love. Second thing, I deal with a lot of people, beginner, intermediate level. You know, we're at a classic boutique gym where I get it all the time. They go, I would never walk in that big box gym. They yeah. come in our place. It's a very intimate environment. My gym is, you know, just under 3,000 square feet. You know, so it doesn't have this hardcore feel and vibe. And I did that on purpose. Our kettlebells have colors to them. You know, I did this on purpose. And we have open window, this sunlight, you know, because when I worked in gyms, I started in a hardcore gym. But I always realized it was a huge demographic that wanted to come in the gym, but they're like, I'm not going in there. I know I'm fat and out of shape. Now I need to reinforce that. Or I tell people all the time, the biggest fear is nobody wants to look stupid. There's a reason machines work, right? Like I can get on this thing, kind of figure it out, put a pen, and I don't look stupid. I feel a level of competency, right? Mm -hmm. And you see people, hey, I've been doing this circuit again. I started in Bally's, man, a 30-minute workout, take them to a circuit, and you see it. It had this quick learning curve, so people feel competent, right? I feel better, and I guess, in essence, I'm in the gym, so I must be getting more fit, right? Mm -hmm. So, So going back to it, I deal with a lot of people beginners, intermediates. And what I saw was the learning curve really quick, but more importantly, I have people with bad proprioception, really poor body awareness. Mm-hmm. And one of the things, like I almost try to scale that a lot too, when I'm dealing with a coach, we'll have a new person, we screen them, I'm going, okay, this person, one to 10, three on proprioception. You say lift an arm, they lifted their leg, right? Like, you know, <laughs> you the person, you say, okay, let's get a nice neutral stance, let's square your feet. And like, they have to look down and see where their feet are, right? They, they have none. So dealing with that, right? I'm not going to lock it. It's like knowing where your body awareness is. And the sticks, what I would really transfer to me was the population, it was a great tool. They were able to know. And then on top of it, almost anchor their bodies in these positions, mm-hmm. which I really loved, you know? And like I said, and now to start to get stronger, not just get in these positions, right? Because the first thing, because I tell people, I had yoga in my studio when I opened I brought a great yogi and we introduced yoga and just wasn't a good fit for our studio. But I said with that population too, didn't really work well. And what I've said is, but I knew we needed mobility. And after, you know, I was looking for how can I introduce more mobility, right? Into our workouts. Cause I know our people need to benefit from it. And we incorporate mobility in all our workouts, but I'm like, I want to really get a little bit more. I think, you know, again, I'm looking at hip and drastic. I'm like ankles. I'm like, good Lord, we need this. How can we improve this? And the sticks after a few months, it just, it worked. I always, again, I beta test. I'm like a huge beta test guy. So what I'll do is we do both semi-private and private training. So what I'll do is when I ever want to introduce something, I'll take, you know, I'll start to introduce it in the private setting, which is always a you know good way to see how this going to apply. And I literally will go after someone with the worst proprioception, you know, and I, yeah. we all, if anyone was a trainer, you know, those people you train, right? <laughs> like they're a little more challenged. And I'll say, okay, let me see, because if I can do it with them, I'm not worried about the outliers and the people with good body awareness. No, I need the person's not, you know, like they can't, they're kyphotic, they can't move, they turn their head, you know, there's no neck movement, (laughs) you know, they squat, like that's the person I'm going to say, all right, we're going to do some movement now, right? And I'm going to get them in a monkey hang or we're going to start doing some stuff and just start playing with some of the positioning. And it was great. You know, so like I said, it was something as so kudos to you guys. I think it's a great tool. But like I said, like a lot of people, you don't get it. You got to play around with it a little bit. And I think that's like a lot of tools and just understand everything that's going around. I mean, now God turned Instagram and 
you can see Thomas Myers <laughs> stuff everywhere, right? I think yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, it's like if he got a he got 10 cents return for every time someone took a picture next to a video and stuff like that, he'd be a really we'd be really, really making some dope. But nonetheless, it's like, what are you trying to do? Right? Mm-hmm. Teaching people tension, getting them through these range of emotions in a safe way. Mm-hmm. That's my big thing, right? I pride myself. Nobody gets hurt in our gym, right? Like it's one of our like really core things. And like I said, it's something where you can start seeing improvement where we can do it in our movement prep stuff and say, okay, now, and people love it, right? Like, okay, wow, I just did a dumpy squat and open it. And then, okay, now we're going to be doing some goblet squats today. And they go, wow, like they feel this drastic improvement. And again, I don't know about other people, but in my experience, when someone says the classic, wow, I feel a difference, you just struck gold. Yeah. Yep. Right. Right. Because they all want to feel it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you can see improvement. They may not feel it. But when I started hearing that type of stuff and, you know, you're opening and doing things that are going, wow, this just this exercise feels different. I think that's pretty, you know, that's pretty magic. I kind of I like to say, OK, we got to bottle that up a little bit more. Oh, definitely. I think what's interesting is what you said a few minutes ago about the intimidation factor of people going into gyms. I think one of the things that I've always said to coaches is always remember where you started. And no matter how big and strong you are, you were that same 90-pound weakling or you were that same out-of-shape person at one point. Yeah. So I think that's one thing that I think we tend to lose a lot of. Yeah. And and we get that ego or we get that arrogance. Oh, yeah. So it's good that you brought that up. I like that. Yeah, I think there's a component of coaching that sometimes you have to have empathy, mm-hmm. right? Because I always said the person coming through my door, they don't want to not move well. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah, they, they just don't move well. They don't know how they got there. You know, I mean, now they're starting to realize that, like, they don't even walk the target to get water. They get Amazon dropping it off at their front door, right? Like, but in yeah. this world we live in, right? As we've yeah. evolved, I've said it, you just go back like the last 80 years and how everything with everything that's made life easier in certain ways, it's come at a price to our physical movement qualities, right? Like even jobs that may be considered entry level or manual labor jobs, there's minimal movement and load on them, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, so, you know, I mean, and, and some people say, I mean, we have governing bodies that protect, you know, how much physical component we're going to do to someone. So even to make a living and, you know, we look at people just the daily lives. It used to be things you had to do. I think there's something to be said about that term farm strong, right? Because people, oh, yeah. it wasn't like a workout. They did it on the farm to maintain life, right? So there was this, this labor component to it, you know? Uh, being in Vegas, I've, I've worked with a few competitive rodeo people, you know? Oh, and, and yeah. you know, people do barrel racing a horse and, and stuff like that. And people take care of horses where it's a breath of fresh air. You hear this, like there's a physical taking care of the horses, a physical component to something they do like daily, you know? Because you don't hear that all the time. Right. Yeah. And, and and it's not unheard of. Like everyone's got a car. Right. Kids at 16 now have a vehicle. Right. So like just walking places. And so, you know, nonetheless, society, Western culture has created this world that we're in. You know, I'm not saying I'm sitting now as I'm talking to you guys. Right. Like where, you, you know, go back when people want to take a break and sit, they just sat in a squat. You know, that's how you <laughs> rested. You know, chairs weren't always around. So. Nonetheless, like, you know, society's created this world and as coaches, sometimes we're big to kind of show the flaws on people. Like I said, like I assess people for me, not to show them how, God, you're a hot mess. You know, like, that's <laughs> not my goal, right? Yeah, so yeah. I can give them 
the appropriate and the right dosage, because that's literally what you're doing, the correct dosage of exercise that's going to be appropriate for them. And as I said, too, I'm dealing with aging people. And there's something to be said about that, too, right? You can't out-train aging. There's yeah. a component that you got to take that into the formula, too. So, you know, you say you're you're doing the assessment more for yourself. Do you go over it with them right after or during, or do you just kind of... No, you just funny. I've gone back and changed this approach. And I've discussed this with, with Lee and Gray and I've said it, and they've actually to speak to them, they've even changed their approach because, and you'll hear me, I'll use term, you know, we screen. I don't say test, right? Because everyone, we're all wired to pass tests, mm-hmm. right? Yep. As a kid, right? That, that, uh, that pass or fail and stuff like that. And even being, I, I reference it to our coaches at assessment, but I'll, I'll reference a lot of times, okay, we're just going to take you through a quick screen. I'm very careful not to, because again, when someone walks into my gym, and this is just my demographic, there's a component of vulnerability you're dealing mm-hmm. with, right? Mm-hmm. There's a thing like, I know I'm weak. I know I don't move well, body fat. A lot of times there's image issues. So I'm really careful and stuff like that, because I always like everything they do, you're coming out with a win, right? I, I'm really big on that. Like, again, not to show the sports things, but it's like you're here, the rookie quarterback at the draft tonight, but you're here, you know? Get them some confidence. And I'm big on that. And I don't want the first thing we're doing to be showing them, you know, how poorly they did on something like that. Now, in hindsight, I'll go back to it. I'll have somebody three months later say, hey, I want to go back and we'll check maybe just two things. And I may check somebody's hurdle step. I may check their active straight leg raise. And then I'll reference it then. And I'll say, did you know when you were here, you were able to do this, right? And then I've had some time. They've got into our culture. They've built some rapport. They've been coming to the gym. They're probably feeling better. And I think it's appropriate there because if you tell them what I've seen also, and this is, again, I've been doing you know, the FMS for quite a while now. And I've seen, if you even approach it, people are going to like, the first thing, what do they tell you? Don't work through pain, right? Great. Right. Yeah. So you're doing your assessment. You'll get people going through pain, man. I want to get a two or three, right? Yeah. Like people will be doing, you know, and like I always tell them, they come in, this last night at a gala gym and I go, look, I purposely, you're cold. We're going to have a whole warm up. You're going to be doing some tissue work, some mobilization drills for your workout. But I want you off the street. I want to see how you move, right? Mm-hmm. I'm very careful with that, like, because, you know, they're going to see improvement. I know that. But off the gate, to answer your question, I don't, because I'm very careful because I don't want someone to start feeling like a failure. I think it's so, you know, that I think our industry just done a poor job with that, you know, and we're quick at showing people how poor they are and how much, how they suck, you're weak. That's your squat? Oh, my God. You know, it's like, dude, you know, someone's just come to me and to the point they go, I'm willing to pay you. Help me. Help mm-hmm. me. Get your help. I cannot do this. Right. Or, mm-hmm. you know, I'll get some, I've, I've tried this and I've failed, you know. And again, I get older people. So it's a journey. Right. They've like I've my whole life. I've never been able to. Do I get a lot of that. So uh, I'm very careful with how we kind of approach stuff like that. So the answer, not out the gate. I may reference just the movement, what they can do now, their quality of the movement and stuff like that. But I typically like to do that down the road once you've gotten some. Yeah, it's hard to get out of those certain phrases yeah. that unfortunately we've used for so long. I mean, it is, it's tough because it's almost like for me, I've, I have I try to program myself to say, hey, that's something we need to work on to improve. It's simply that. Yeah, we're just going to work on improving that. And that puts the person in a much better mind state of mind yeah. Yeah. instead of saying, oh, that is horrible. This is true. <laughs> and you're going to get them to the best they're capable of. Right. Like yeah. I, I tell people, I'm going to maximize what you can do. 
mm-hmm. right? We've had kids, and I think we've all, if anyone's done any youth fitness, right? It's like you get that high school kid, and they're like, okay, now I got a competent trainer, D1 scholarship, here we go, right? Because it's just like, and I'm like, all right, we're going to make sure we're going to put you in a safe and effective program, but let's optimize what your body's capable of, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if we're going to work on some power and you're a basketball player, I had a kid last year, a big AAU player. And I said, I wish I could say that working with me, you will jump like Jordan, you know, as we all watch, you know, the last dance. I'm like, we're going to get your vertical. It may, we, hopefully we're going to get some improvement, but we're not going to have this seismic like off on switch. It just doesn't work that way. Right. It's like mm-hmm. this gradual improvement. I am big on improvement in mm-hmm. anything. If I yeah. don't see improvement, right. Like I'm going to question again. It goes back to that. Why, why are we doing it? I'm not going to do it because I saw someone else that I may trust or respect doing it. If we've done this and we're doing this consistently, correctly, appropriately, right environment, three, four, five months, and we are not seeing some way that I can measurable improvement, right? Then I'm going to question, I'm going to move on. I'm not going to say we did it a week and then change, right? But I like to see some type of improvement. You know, we're big on that. I'm, I like, I, I tell people, you know, I think this is why we have a, I'm proud of this, but like our average member stays a member of our gym about 32 months. You know, we have a really, we average about 96% retention. You know, we were closed during the pandemic. When we opened, we had 85% of our people come right back, you know, close to two months. I'm proud of our people. They see benefit for what we're doing, but I always told, tell them, and I'll say this from day one, to keep us accountable. Mm-hmm. And I always say, you came in now, we may become really good friends. And you'll love the culture. This is cheers. And you love coming here. But remember, you came in my door day one saying, Doug, I want to drop body fat. I want to do this. I want to get some. And if we're not getting you there, let's keep our eyes still on that goal, right? I want you to love the environment, love coaches, feel great about yourself. But still, you came to me for this. You hired us for that. So I'm going to stay true to that goal. Goals can change, mm-hmm. and that's cool. But I'm really big on that. And I like people seeing that. I like them see, you know, this is how you're moving better, right? You, you were able to pick this load up. You're stronger. And with our skin fold caliber, guess what? Body fat, we, but I'll do little subtle ways of doing things, but they don't realize they're being assessed. Twice a year, we do big body fat challenges. And it's an optional thing. You know, they don't have to, but I give away nice cash prizes, make it fun. And so, but it's a way where, again, I skin fold caliber. We get out the lane and I'm doing them. I can do them their first day. Last thing I'm doing is slapping the caliber on them, right? But it gives me, we know their body fat. And I get members all the time. I love it. They're like, I remember my first challenge four years ago and I was like 38% body fat. I'm like, I'm 30% body fat, you know? And, you know, they're sitting there like, wow, you know, on top, I've dropped this in size and they know And I'm like, yeah, you know, and that's my way. Oh, I don't just throw it out, but they start seeing my body fat's down, you know? And wow, I was pressing an eight kilo bell, you know, now I'm pressing a 12 kilo. I remember that. I remember it. And again, we got the colors. So they don't even know which, grab a yellow, grab a green. They're like, I used to do this, right? Mm-hmm. And they just see it. And oh, I used to get in a half meal to do this exercise and my hip flexors and like now like i'm pressing i can get in a half i can get on both knees i'm really comfortable right Mm so i love them they can see the movement improvement they see the strength they're lifting more load and body fat changes and i try to do these things throughout the year that they start to see that they get improvement so i think it's important but i again i think dealing with someone initially there's a component that coach has to have humility and empathy and you have to know you're dealing with a delicate situation you know, and I've even had the dudes, the alpha dudes come in, you know, big and all this, but deep down, there's a component of like, don't make me feel like, you know, but I'll say, dude, I'm this way because you know what? I'm making a lot of money. I've been, you know, my company. And I'm like, no, I get you, man. Right. You're like, I don't want someone yeah. feeling bad because we'll all get 
ways to explain why we got there. My goal is you're here. I got to get you better. If you look just at a general spectrum across the industry of trainers, what would you say is probably one of the most one of the biggest deficiencies in our industry as far as from a coach from a trainer perspective of either what's what's underutilized so to speak oh well i think i mean i probably have had this discussion with you briefly but i think a lot of trainers get in the industry because they enjoy exercise right it becomes mm-hmm. it's a personal thing i think mm-hmm. everyone says i work out i enjoy it as well i can get paid doing this all day this is awesome mm-hmm. Then after a week or something, they realize it, it, yeah, it's it's I'm a teacher, right? It's like you're you're not about what you can do, it's what you can teach to somebody else, what they can do. So then it becomes that component. Those who kind of get through that component and you know, not getting into like what credential, you know, because again, everybody there's different paths. I would say it's like running a restaurant, like different you look at cooks. Some came through a culinary, some came this way. I came from Europe, right? So with your physical therapy, athletic trainer, personal training, went to school, whatever. But I think they get to that level of training people. And I think a lot of coaches is continuing learning of education. And I said, always learning and improving. I think that that's one of the things you get them, they get a level of competency and then they kind of stop and say, I'm really good at this, right? And as we're learning, we're, our industry is you know, it's still in its infancy, right? I mean, mm-hmm. if you look at it, our industry's been around, you know, we go back, you know, 45 years, you know, Arthur mm-hmm. Jones, Nautilus, let's go in the 70s, 70s, right? Mm-hmm. 2021, we're going back 45 years. So like I said, this is not something we can go back 100 years and, and things like that. So we're constantly evolving. We're constantly, I mean, just look at, again, the tool you guys look at and how the quest for mobility now, but go back 10 years ago, right? Yeah. Like no one would, you know, I, I, would that have been I maybe as an embrace, it was more challenging because people were like, maybe doing obstacle course racing wasn't as embraced. And people may have thought to excel in sports, but if I'm stronger, right, in the bench, I mean, they still do it in the combine, right? Like if I can bench and do this, then I'll just be a better athlete on game day. So the whole thing is just constantly, we're constantly evolving, we're constantly learning, Right. And it's like, I think a lot of coaches get in there, they're training. Hey, my book of business, you know, I'm busy. So if I'm busy, that means I'm good and good. I don't need to learn anymore. And, you know, like I, I tell people, I'm in my 30th year coaching people. I'm still always learning, you know, I'm going, wow, I didn't get that. You know, I, I, I totally, and I'm not ashamed of it. You know, I rather yeah, people. Yeah. I think you get to a point in your life, you start realizing how little you do know, you know, and I'm never embarrassed of it. I'm just like, I told you. I'm that guy. Like I have no clue, and I'll read some. Going, wow! I totally get this. Is you know mind changing to me and things like that. We'll adopt it. You know, into something a protocol, something we're doing in the studio. So, so I think as a, to answer your question, Dennis, you know, the industry it, there's a level of competency, and then I think people kind of get away from they get set in their ways, mm-hmm. and then trying to introduce something new gets really challenging because you'll get a lot of this is how I do it. And, yeah. then, you know, and you have a lot of people who will be saying, well, I'm currently successful. We have. So why should we change? We're good. Right. And I'm, I'm a believer. There's always a better way. You know, I'm going to find out if there's a better way. There's always a little bit more. And uh, I'm not intimidated to challenge. I always say it. I probably might not probably my first 10 years of training people. Right. Jacked up more people than helped them. Right. I didn't. <laughs> but like the way we did things, I'm going to say in the 90s and 2000s, we didn't know better. Right. I, I thought the Russian twist was a good thing. And, and anyone, again, if you went in gyms, they had this machine. You could do presses behind the neck. Right. I mean, I mean, like things that we did, we didn't know anything. Based on that and, and my experience being in this industry and making mistakes, I'm constantly like learning now. I mean, I'm joking on one of my coaches today. Well, the importance of the big toe. 
you would have told me 20 years ago I'd be having a conversation about the importance of the I'd be like, you know, how's I going to find a leg press, right? Like, so, you know, but that's the type of conversations and stuff I'm looking at now, right? So you start to look at it with a different, but I think that's a level of, I, I hate to say it, it's a maturity and an, an, an experience. You start to go, I've seen this and I'm like, you know what, there's a better way or more we got to learn. I mean, I'm a huge Malcolm Gladwell fan. You know, so when I get a new coach, I'm like, go get your 10,000 hours. And then I'm a fan of Daniel Coyle, you know, and the talent code. Because then I'm like, okay, you've been putting in hours of training, but what's the quality of those hours, right? Because it's mm, not, because you get yeah. a lot of trainers go to 10,000 hours, you know, and if you read talent code, it's like, they talk about the quality of practice, mm -hmm. right? And I yeah. tell coaches also, and you guys probably, you guys are experienced coaches, so you know this, right? There's those sessions you have, and I joke about it, maybe because I'm a, you know, the old guy who misses sports playing them. But I feel as soon as I can be coaching, I'm in a flow state, right? Where you're just, mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're aligning this person perfectly. You're getting it. You're giving the appropriate movement, the right cue. They're flowing. They're moving. And I'm like, I'm in a flow state, right? And you know, you got those sessions. It's like, it's like you're shooting air balls too, right? You're like, yeah. I, I, yeah. right? I try this. I'm like, all right, that's not going to work. Let's try something else. So I think it's having enough of those hours in that flow state communicating well, right? The appropriate meeting that person, like tying it together. And I tell coaches, go get some hours. You know, I think Eric Cressy has said to me one time when I opened my place and I was, these guys were all great. I would go to them and say, all right, you've got a million coaches working for me. Teach, like, give me that one tip, you know? And, and they were always big. He's like, you know, we get guys on our floor and like, go get some reps. Go learn to coach them, right? Yeah. Like, you know, he's like, I got a lot of kids coming through here. I, you know, in our summer program, I mean, again, you know, you go get some reps in. I've had the same discussion with Mike Boyle. And it's like, and they're going to make mistakes and they're going to learn and how to communicate well, how to cue, you know, and externally, all these things and making eye contact. And instead of talking in terms that people, I, I say it to coaches all the time, right? We'll, we'll have a coaches meeting and we'll talk planes of motion. I'm like, don't you dare on this floor, right? Because go transverse. <laughs> and now we're getting that internal, like, I am, like, we need. <laughs> are going to talk like that, but like, don't even, what are you like saying? Right. Don't even talk this to the, again, this person, like, I want to lose weight. Right. Mm -hmm, I want yeah. to get stronger, help me move better. They could care less about, you know, they're like, you know, sat, what, Satcha, who? <laughs> like, what are you doing, man? You know, so it's not even, so to go back, I think it's education and, and staying on top of it. I, I told you one of the, my biggest fears from our pandemic was that probably pre-pandemic, I think that we were probably getting a bit of a, a bubble of education. But then you had to start weeding through. Because if you really wanted to go and do a, a cert, a career, there was something every weekend, everywhere, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, that it's, we're in an industry, there was a big market. Finally, coaches were saying, okay, there's some value, at least I think that top 10% in education. Uh, there, was some, there was some flaky stuff out there too. So you had to kind of, we threw it and then, you know, we all get shut down and it stops and travel just point blank, not safe. And, and these things have stopped. And my thing is, um, I'm hoping that we get back to that, you know, that we get back to education. Cause that's been my fear, you know, cause I was saying we got, you know, a bubble, but now I'm going, gosh, at least there was education available. Right. And you, you was always, you could go out there and get better and stuff like that. And that's, that's one of my fears that our industry Right now, there's a bit of a void because, like, again, just it wasn't safe. You know, it wasn't a question of just it's not the thing to do. And I'm, I'm hoping as we turn the corner that we turn the corner with that, too, and slowly start to introduce. And, it, you know, and it should be where it's not where 
people are doing it with fearful that they lose money. You know, it should be something that's profitable for people. But I think that was something that going back, I think it helped our industry. The yeah. quality education that was available, I think that's what happened. We all got a little bit brighter and then it just kind of trickled down. You know, so I'm hoping that returns. Yeah, I think what's interesting between the live courses and, and learning something online is with online, you don't have the ability to ask those questions the right there to the instructor like you're receiving and and then that's it that's it in our industry where it's just such a we get into a lot again a lot of trainers will have that kinesthetic component right mm-hmm. see it all the time i've had this discussion with chris Perea, perform better you'll have a lecture going on and a hands-on hands-on's in the ballroom because they're always going to have more coaches in there because coaches want to move and go do the hands-on right mm-hmm. even though there'll be actually more information providing the lecture Yep. Right. If you're going to get your information, I had this discussion present this more, but 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 most coaches are going to be attracted. They want to move, get up, down. I want to, as I said, you know, I want to feel it just like our clients. Right. They want to feel it. Mm-hmm. And, and I think there's a component. And like you said, and then again, I don't know, like other people, I'm not embarrassed to say it. I learned by making mistakes. Oh, yeah. Right. I think that's a huge component of it. Right. Like, again, I'm not the golfer. And I know you are. But it's like I always tell people when they when they're learning functional movement and they don't perfect it. I said, well, look, if we went on the golf course. I don't think you're going to get a hole in one. Right. And like and they're like, if you put it in the right application, they accept it. I go, if we went. You never played baseball. And I pitched the ball and you missed. You'd be like, all right, I got to keep practicing. Right. And they would accept that. But in the gym setting, they want to perfect it. And I think it goes back to the world of machines where you could perfect it. I could perfect a leg extension the first time. I got the right seating, right, Mm -hmm. which we can adjust. And they got pictures telling me and I get that bar at the bottom across my shins. Right. And I sit, I get the appropriate weight. I just did 12 reps. I perfected it. hundred percent. Right. And then you try to get someone to do a proper hip hinge, you know, or you get someone to, how about this? Just to create tension, maintaining a plank. Mm-hmm. Right. Let's get right. someone to do that. Or the one I tell all my coaches, right. Probably one of the best exercises we should all do, but one of the hardest to teach a lunge. Right. Right. right? Now I'm messing with decel, right. Get someone in and you go in the gyms all day and you see them done poorly. So these are hard things that are hard to be taught, you know, to a beginner intermediate type person. So, you know, my thing is like, there's a component of doing something and saying, oh, the lunge, was it strength or maybe, you know, again, you know, maybe some proximal, I'm not strong enough in my core. Something's going on. That's what's pulling the hip flexors. So I'm, you know, you're thinking legs, oh, my quads. And it's like, I don't know about that, you know, Mm -hmm. and you're looking at someone's squat and I'm looking at their ankles. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're just thinking, you know, and I'm just watching that ankle not move. And I'm knowing that's going to that's the issue. We got to address that first. Right. If we get that ankle moving, you know, suddenly, guess what? Things are going to get better or that thoracic spine. Right. Mm-hmm. It's suddenly. So it's like and they're just thinking my, my quads or, you know, glutes were a buzzword, I guess, a year two years ago. Right. And they're doing that and they still can't squat. Right. You know, going back to I think there's that touching and feeling and then making a mistake. Right. Because the same thing. I've done it. I've literally gone to my gym. I, I typically I'll go in my gym when it's closed on a Sunday. I'll bring my laptop. I'll put on one of you guys videos. I'm sitting there following you guys and doing something. Now look in the mirror. I'm like, nah, I don't look like me. That's wrong. Maybe about a month. I suck getting it. You know what? But then what I always tell guys what that does is when I'm coaching it, whether one of my coaches or a member, I can go, yeah, I made that same mistake. Lost your plank, and then your body got in this position, right? You stopped squeezing you. Oh, guess what? Yeah, I did that too because I stopped pressing the sticks in the ground. Mm-hmm. So I stopped creating that tension. You lost the benefit of the movement. So 
I think you have to make those mistakes because then it makes you a better coach because now we're relatable. Yes. Now if I talk to the person, they go, all right, Doug made that same mistake. I don't feel like a fool. I'm like, yeah, right. no, I was doing the same thing. I did a butt wink. I was prepping. Yeah, yeah, you got to do this, right? You got it? And they're like, oh, okay, I got it. So I think there's that part of learning that you got to make these mistakes. And I think those mistakes and those things carry over are better. Because again, I, I don't, I'm i a little bit, I, again, I laugh at myself, but I don't think most people will do an online webinar and look at themselves and be like, I'm wrong. They'll be like, okay, I got it. And they'll just keep moving on, right? And you'll come to a workshop a year later when I'll be like, no, you ain't got it. <laughs> <laughs> Right. And I'm hoping that's going to change. I don't think it's going to be a hockey stick, but I think it'll gradually come back. And like I said, I'm crossing my fingers for it. Cause I think the reason I got involved years ago, at the NSCA, when I came to Nevada, like I said, I moved here 18 years ago, but opened my gym about six and a half, seven years ago. And I was the guy who I remember I always had to get in the car, get on a plane and go to workshops, right? I'd go to NC mm-hmm. Nationals. I'd go to Perform Better. You know, even early days, I'd go to Idea, whoever, whatever. And I'd go to these things and I was frustrated that nothing, a lot of things didn't come to Nevada. Nevada, funny enough, we've got tons of hotel rooms where people tell you, not a great draw, doesn't do well. So our state didn't have a lot of education. And I kind of got involved in the NSCA because I'm like, no, we need education. Because I said, one of the reasons a lot of people aren't willing to get on a, you know, drive four yeah. hours or get on a plane and out and lose money training people and, you know, do that, to go get some education. So I was a huge person of like constantly wanting to bring education to our state. So at least people got to go, okay, you don't got to get on a plane, get mm-hmm. here today, a weekend is cost. Hey, maybe you can even work early morning or late night. You're not losing completely, you know, days pay, but you know, I think just education is a big thing. And like I said, it makes our edu- it makes our industry better. Mm-hmm. I'm lucky and I'm blessed. I work with a lot of physicians, orthopedic surgeons, you know, general doctors, practitioners, physical therapists, and they refer quite a bit of business to us mm-hmm. because they feel they know a bunch of, a few of them train in my facility. And a lot of them, they see what we do and they feel very comfortable. You know, they see how we handle and work with our members and the programs and our approach to what we're doing. And, but they'll be the first. I mean, I've got a very competent orthopedic surgeon and he tells me all the time, he would do an ACL shoulder and someone says, okay, I'm going to go to the gym after I finish my three months of physical therapy. And I got this trainer. He'd be like, no, you know, he, cause he's like, I don't want to put this person in harm's way. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what this person going to do. And I just, you know, and he says, Doug, until I met you. And even then I, I, and I tell them, I have no problem proving myself to them. Cause I get it. Right. Like mm-hmm. I bring, I always, in one of the things we invite them to come in and show them our set. This is what we do. And they, and they kind of, start kind of seeing our approach to how we do it, they feel comfortable and confident. And they're like, okay, I have no problem. Because for them, a lot of time, and I've had a physician say, I've had physical therapists say, he goes, I'm physical therapy. People don't come to me to get strong. I have to correct and get them back to where they were. And he says, he goes, Doug, you're going to know more about, you know, strength than I am. That's not my, the same thing I've had where, and it becomes a great relationship where I go, that's getting physical therapy. I'm going to refer you to him. You know, and I have people I send out I said, I think you do better now. This is getting out of our realm of what we're doing here now. And I think you got you need to go get some actual PT and staying within the scope of your practice. So so like I said, it, it's uh it's it can be a blessing and be really good to have physicians because they, you know, they get people all the time saying, Okay, yeah, I'm a doctor. You I you've got your onset diabetes, you need to lose weight, you're frustrated about the medications, go and get in shape. They're like, Okay, well, where do I go? And they, they love having a resource that they can say, you know, go to here. I feel really comfortable 
they'll help you out. For years, I've always told younger trainers that have asked, I've always said, hey, you should have a network of clinicians that you can network with and refer in and out yeah. uh, because that is and can be a huge substantial part of your business practice. And a lot of these coaches that ask me and I tell them, I, they don't end up doing that because I'm like, right by where we're at, we have a road called National National, and there's nothing but doctors on this mm -hmm. road. I mean, it's like a one mile road. And I'm like, go hit the pavement, knock on some doors, yeah. train people for free if you need to, just to yeah. establish your reputation and base. They got to know you're competent, right? right? They got to know you're competent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I think what's interesting is a lot of these trainers don't do it because they're intimidated. I know? think there's intimidation, but you know, you have to also recognize, right? Because people in the medical industry, they're like us. It's a service-based business. So their time is money, right? Mm -hmm. and, and in this day and age with insurances and things like that, right? The ideal, I, I speak to them a lot. I mean, some of these guys who really run some really good practices, they got it down to a science, how much time I can spend with a patient and a person. And trainers have to respect, like, you, you're not going to get a doctor to spend an hour with you. You can tell them how good you are. Mm -hmm. Like you said, I'm better at, like, hey, come down to our facility, your time. And like you said, you'll get a workout, right? Like, I know you're busy. So don't, I'm not going to mess with you and things like that. And I, that's usually one of our biggest things. You want to come train, and I'd love to take you through a workout. And you can see this is what we do. But do it at your, like I said, when it's available for you and convenient. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, mm -hmm. we can sit and talk to jargon and stuff like that. But I like them to come and I would say, come kick the tires, yeah. right? Come see exactly what we're doing, how we're handling people and things like that. Because it is, it's also reflective on them. If they refer you to go work with this person and the person gets hurt, right? And I went to my doctor and I went and kind of, I jacked up my shoulder. It's not good. It's not, that's not good for the doctor, right? Like, you know, so, so, but I think that's, that's the thing, too, where, as I mentioned earlier, to be a competent coach, right? Like I told you guys, my journey, it's like following this guy. And then I was a kettle brother. There's not one journey, right? And you can talk to a lot of probably yourselves, you guys. There's not this one way. Do this and you're a competent coach. Even from the educational background, right? I mean, I've had this discussion. I've, I've, I've got, you know, we've I've had trainers with masters in kinesiology. And by all means, they still got a lot to learn for to get on our floor. Right. You know, I don't mind masters, you know, so and, and I'm not embarrassed to say it, but, you know, they just they haven't had experience with doing certain things. So there's different there's different paths you can do to get to being competent. But like I said, they, your trainer shouldn't be embarrassed that they've kind of got to earn it, that a person's got to see what's going on. And like you said, I look at it as an investment. Right. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. I'd rather than spending money on Facebook ads or Instagram or a magazine ad. That may cost this. I'm going to use that marketing spent money on this person coming in. And I want them like I like everybody too. I, I joke, I've I had recently a position. I'm like, no, he's like, you treat me just like a regular member. And I go, Yeah, exactly. Like, because you want to lose, because he's like, well, he gained weight. He's like, he's overweight. And he's like, I need to drop body fat. And then he's like, Dad, he's doing a hit workout, you know, and he's like, I'm like, no, you want to lose weight. Like, I'm not going to treat you differently than I treat them. This is our protocol. So getting someone to see improvement right? Doing it in a safe and an effective way, right? And then as I tell you, doctors eat it up all the time because I tell our members, right? Like, know the why, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, one of our things too, what I love, um, I mean, again, it hurts our industry, but it works well for us. I've had people move away. Mm. We've got a bunch of people. Move, job. We've got, we're here in Vegas, so you got the Air Force base. We've had people, gals come, husbands in the Air Force, now they move and 
things like that. And then come back to me and they'll be like, I went to this gym and like you hear the horror stories, you know, they're like, I couldn't wait till I came back because like I didn't get this. So guess what? I worked out here for four years. I never even like, you know, split a, you know, a hangnail. And I went there and then I had, a, they wanted me to do this and they didn't regress this and my shoulders and I had to do that. And, you know, I got you know, this. And then I started having to go to this chiropractor. Like, so I've had people come back and, and, and just tell me the story, you know, things like that. They, yeah, I've had people vacation homes, you know, mm-hmm. they, they go somewhere for a summer, you know, desert again, it gets hot. So we lose people. They'll go away a month and a half, two months, but they still want to stay active doing something. And they get used to being coached. Because a lot of times I'll say, you could probably do this on your own. I'll set you up, yeah. stuff you can do. And we try to do that. But listen, at the end of the day, there's a level of accountability. They love coming through the door and they're like, you got me all covered, right? And I just, you, I follow you guys. And I've been, and you get someone who does that four or five years, three times a week, it's hard for them to do it on his own. So I understand that. So they'll go someplace and say, okay, I'm going to go here. Now, when I know someone in the area, I try to create a network. I mean, I've referred gyms and someone, they're going, okay, I'm right here. I'm like, I know this gym, right? We may be acquaintance. I kind of, we follow similar, but go there. I think they'll be great, you know? And if they got a question, I'll get on the horn and even tell them what you're doing. You don't got to worry about it, right? Like I'll say, hey, this guy, and then I can tell a coach, this is what they do. Show them a bit, blah, blah, blah. The guy goes, oh, great. And I've done that, you know, in different places. You know, like I said, it, it's it's challenging because I think sometimes when, when people go places, they want to do the right thing. And then at the end of the day, too, like, I don't care how great of a coach, but like, they get hurt, you know? And, yeah. and I question it, right? I question injury. I know we you mentioned a couple of times we got the draft first round tonight. We talk about over the years some of what we would consider silliness in the draft as yeah. far as the evaluations. At the combine, you know, you had mentioned a little bit before about, you know, this is the way we've done things. This is the yeah. way we still do things. What is one drill in the combine that you would take away? Oh, I, I get the bench press right there. Like I come on, okay. like that would that would be be my first one. I question too the 40 yard dash. I'll be honest, for all players. There are guys like who's running, I mean like an offensive lineman who's got to be fast for five, seven yards, you know. I mean, like like running 40 yards, I would question that. I get a vertical for power output, how much power somebody could create and stuff like that. You know, they I have not been in a room and seen with teams take guys through the medical. I would like to know more in depth about that, right? I think ESPN, we see a lot of the skills challenge and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I would question again when they're doing the medical because, again, I won't mention names, but a gentleman who was a top in the second round pick, all right, he's going back now, going back um, more than 15 years ago, but had an ACL and was able to kind of hide it getting through the medical. Oh, you know, and had an injury. Okay. You know, I had torn it, you know, senior year. It was kind of under the radar, went to a private physician, again, oh. end of year, got, and then it came out later once he gets drafted on the team. And he was able oh, to make it and go through a medical and they didn't detect it. So I think there's ways to cheat the system and stuff like that, you know? And, and you know, the biggest thing, and Again, guys a lot smarter than me have said this. Your top athletes are the best at hiding their weaknesses in the flaws. Yeah. yeah. Right? Right? Like mm-hmm. I said, go back to mine. I got general pop people. You see it. It's like glaring weaknesses. It's like hitting you over the head. You get some of these guys, right? And you see, and again, they, they've got weaknesses, but they've been able to hide it. Yeah. And in essence, camouflage it. And a lot of time, too, being bigger, stronger, faster, you can just... You know, now when you're in a more level field, those weaknesses will maybe get more exploited. So that's the thing. But to answer your question, I think 
the bench press. I question that. I think one of the challenges, and you can look at any, and I, I'm just going to, I'm not going to speak for him. I'm just, this is my own Dougism, but like, you know, great cook when he's been challenged with the FMS, you know, one of the things he said and how they kind of came across he and Lee and when they were putting this thing to and Kiesel and they were putting the screen together because it was out of personal need, mm-hmm. right? They were like, we got to, and they were seeing these commonalities and they kind of, and throughout the years how they tweaked and now they have their breath and motor and they've improved and done these things too. I think sometimes when you make an assessment and try to standardize it, be prepared to be attacked. Because people yeah, yeah. are going to come at you and show you, and it may they may have an outlier, but they'll show you, well, look, you did this, and here's what's wrong with it. And I think some of the tests, people don't want to say, well, we're going to do this, because now they're going to go, okay, you've replaced that. And, you know, they'll show you someone who may excel at that new assessment. And if the guy doesn't make the team or is out of football in two years, they're going to say it was a bust. Right? Yeah. They're going to say yeah. that assessment was poor because this guy, we went by your assessment. So I think there's... I'm going to say it's fear, right? To change things because it is accepted. And it's like, okay, we've accepted this as a protocol, muscular upper body endurance or whatever, where again, like there's no core strength in a flat bench press. And we got these sport hernias and things going on. And right. right? So I, I would question that. But again, until someone's going to come up and then kind of put their stamp on it. And again, be prepared to be attacked oh, yeah. and be attacked by people who may have some credibility, mm-hmm. right? It's not, you're not just going to be attacked by Joe Bob in mom's basement, you know, wearing aluminum foil. <laughs> like right? We all social media. We all got the experts, that guy, you're not worried about that guy. Yeah, yeah. You may have somebody with some credibility who's employed at a credible institution or an organization mm-hmm. question that maybe not say you're wrong, but draw questions. And, mm-hmm. and again, I think we all know we question things. People go, oh, then that means it's wrong. Right. Because yeah. I always say you can question something. There's going to be those outliers. There's a bell curve to everything. Right. Mm-hmm. On both sides. I always like to look to the middle, go if it's 85 percent good most of the time. It's kind of good. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. we're talk- yeah. I mean, again, to use a common thing now, what's one of the big things just to go COVID efficacy, you know, the, the vaccines and, you know, people have gotten on. Well, I want 95. And it's like, you know, the average vaccine, you know, like 60 percent efficacy. Right. And we use it. So. You know, I, I mean, it's still so we, we can question that type of stuff and how you judge stuff. But I think that's the biggest thing. It's somebody to put their, their name on it and just know they're going to be just somebody the, the floodgates. People are going to come at you. What would you replace the bench press with? I, you know, I probably would do some type of Trump stability test, you know, okay. something in there. I don't that because good those type of athletes. You know, you have to change it where it's relative, right? So doing a trunk stability pushup is not going to be challenging again. And then, even if they want, they could hide it. So something in the component where, again, stabilizing the trunk while they're doing some type of horizontal pushing, right? Can they stabilize? And I would even try to say, can they push and pull forces, you know, from the spine, right? While maintaining some type of trunk and core stability, some type of chop lift, something like that, some type of the way we move, some type of tight diagonal pattern. I definitely would do something because, again, that I would try to tie in that functional line, thoracolumbus or something. Can this guy flex a hip? I mean, if you think about it again, hurdle step, can he flex it? This hip be extended, stabilize the trunk and spine. And with those type of athletes, have something a little more challenging so we can get a barometer of strength. It doesn't have to mm-hmm. be crazy, but some type of load capacity and, and put it on a scale. Because again, too, right? Like I think it was Eric Cressy that once said it to me about like why you'll still get guys using the rear squat as much as we're seeing compressing on the spine and mm-hmm. things like that. But, you know, but he said to me, he said, if you say, well, this guy can, you know, rear squat 315 for eight reps, 
We as a strength coach, you got a picture in mind. That's a pretty strong guy. So it's assigning a test to it. And then we're going to have to go a window of time where we can assign athletes to these numbers. Because I say 4-3 to you, you're like, that's fast. Yeah. Right? For, yeah. Right, right? So I can give you barometers yeah. in these things and we can automatically identify the athlete to it. And so I think it'll be coming up with that assessment and then going, okay, this type of athlete is here. He's done it and this type of athlete is there and blah, blah, blah. And so that takes time. It's getting the assessment and then getting, it's, it's going to stand the test of time. And then mm-hmm. you start to get a barometer where in your mind, because that's the whole thing. We all, I could throw some of these things where we probably none of us do these things, but you'll get a picture. Okay. That's a strong guy, strong gal. They can do this now. Now I know some of the functional stuff, you know what I'm saying? I tell people now, which is cool. You see someone, pull a, I, I see a gal hold a 16 kettle, a 16 kilo kettlebell and do a pistol squat. Not a real, I'm going to be like, that's a strong girl, right? Like that mm-hmm. girl's got some strength, right? So I think we're slowly getting there in the movement world. You know, I think some people are doing their own assessments, you know, shoulder stability with bottoms up and endurance. And, you know, Grady talked about, you know, distances, endurance stuff with carries, right? Like, you know, getting some numbers on things like that. But look, we got, we talked to combine. There's a sexiness to the combine too, yeah, right? Like, like, I admit, I watch some of it. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, no, I, it, I do. I, I come home at night, I put on yep. ESPN eating dinner and I'm like yeah. watching who did what, you know, and I'm on my phone and, you know, looking, oh, wow, someone just did how many reps, you know, like, so there's the entertainment component to it, too. It's a huge entertainment thing, right? So I think there's, there's that's why I think even those in the know, while I think the combine, it'll be around for a while, you know, and, and people are, you know, they'll, they'll do their own assessment yeah. but yeah. That, that entertainment component's gonna still yeah. be there. no it'll always be there i think you could replace the bench press with like a landmine push press yeah you, you get that same angle right? but it's vertical that's how they're yeah. gonna that's how they're gonna hit right? people that's how yeah, they're gonna accelerate yeah. that's how they're gonna sprint you well, know because we always joke if you're determining that power output with the guy flat on his back yeah he sucks at his job then because that means you're de- you're evaluating alignment Who's now on his back? Who's been yeah. put there by his opponent? Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. Would ra- I would rather test his skills standing up, being yeah. on his feet. Right, that may be better in like the Vegas sport, UFC. Right, right. That may have more carryover to a guy on the ground. Yeah, yeah. Do and I can use oh. this type of force on my right. back. Right, and now you're like, this guy's incredibly strong. You're right, but carry. Right, we use again. I don't want to because sometimes that functional work, but it's more functionality, like you said that. Right, does the it pro- translate? Right. Over to and then again, right? Like the game of football has become such a, a game of niche where it's like being good at that position. I mean, again, you have some of these hybrid guys mm-hmm. who can be, you know, outside linebacker, DN, or you get these guys rushing from a standing up. But for the most part, there's certain niche positions and skill sets. And that's the whole thing, too, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, that, that's the thing, right? Like that's why these personalized workouts I think are so important. Because then it's like the person's doing at least in that sense, the skills that they need to, to do for their job, right? Where the combine is just set testing and things going on. I think defensively, right? They've always said like there's a level of intelligence more on the offensive side. Like offensive linemen at a center's got to be just as intelligent oh, yeah. as a quarterback, right? Oh, yeah. Then, like, so. You know, you get on the defensive side, it's like, I need the athletes. Just go blow things up, right? Mm-hmm. Quickness, reaction. You know, you give me like the better athletes and you put them in the right scheme of defense and you see these guys excel where – the offensively and scheme timing. I mean, there's so many how to recognize things like that. I think so. Even with the intelligence, when they do some of the testing with these guys, like I said, you can. It just matters on where they are. You know, what are they trying to accomplish? 
Yeah, and that's the, that's why I love when they say football game intelligence. They know yeah. that you know Mike Singletary. I'm being a Bears fan. Mike Singletary was always my guy because it wasn't just the athleticism; it was the fact that he could read the offense. He knew what was going to happen. He understood the tendencies, and he diagnosed the play before it took place. Yeah. So he knew where to put his teammates in the positions appropriate to that play that he saw coming up. Yeah. And that's something that's really not, I mean, it's coachable, but it, I think a lot of it is just instinctive. Again, reps, reps, yeah. right, right? Right. You get so many reps because you want it to be a reflex. So you yeah. just, you've done this so many times, you know, if it's not here, it's a regression, then it's going in and, and you mm-hmm. got like four options and you're just in your mind, just literally following the quarterback around. You know? Yeah. So. The one drill I, I watch that is the three cone shuttle drill. Yeah, I would love to see the same distances, same three cones, but you change the alignments. Yeah, because you as an athlete can prepare for that exact alignment and yeah. practice it over and over. But as a player on the field, you don't uh, you don't have you got to be much more spontaneous and reactive. Well, so I think it would be what, yeah, you what, got you got to comport that game right, right? Because we 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 again we're in a society right we mm-hmm. train for the test. Yeah. Right. And and it's like they always said, I mean, just from day one, it's like, are you do you have the material down or are you just a really good test taker? Right. Yeah. Right. So and, I'd love to see that three cone, like they run like five or six different formations in the three cone. Yeah. You as a testee don't know which one you're gonna get until you line up and boom, yeah. react to that alignment. But that's what you see with the catching drills when they do that with the receivers. That like again carries a lot of weight. Because there's, there's a reactionary component. Even though they can practice and they do practice that, yeah. at least, again, that day, you can't, again, it's like the quarterback's throwing it this way and stuff like that. There's a, And especially comparing when they have, like, their own personal yes. day compared to going to the combine. But they can say, I got this quarterback throwing me the ball, so I even got a touch and we got timing, right? Go to combine, it's a totally different element, right? So there's definitely, I think, that. I think that carries a little weight, a bit of weight where you get these guys who, you know, didn't drop a ball, dropped one, and you see something like, all right, I've got a little something I'm going to take out of that, you know? Yeah. But you look at a lot of, you'll hear things of some of the top coaches, and you'll hear them, they're like, at the end of the day, can the guy play? You know, they're going to look at tape, you know? I think yeah. tape's still going to dictate a lot of that. And this is going to be an interesting year, too, right? But a lot of people had abbreviated seasons and things yeah. like that. So it's going to be a really, because you even got minimal tape on a lot of guys. There was no combine. So it's just going to be a really challenging year to you got guys going back, you know, with some of these younger guys, you know, freshman year and three years. And, and again, too, my question is like, compare like a 19 year old to a 21 year old kid. And you're comparing that too. Oh, like yeah. it's so physically like just a different person. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think the challenges are with that. Now these guys are pretty smart and I'm assuming they're going to have some type of curve for the upside on that. But you got some of these guys that they didn't play last year, junior played limited last year and say they are injured the year before and had an amazing freshman year. You know, it's like they're really at a disadvantage because they're going to go back to that freshman year. And they maybe were just learning the scheme at that school. So it'll be, nonetheless, it's going to be entertaining. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. This is uh, is probably actually one of the first drafts in a few years that I've been pretty amped for. Got to be honest with you, the last probably four or five years on the draft, I've been like, eh, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So this is the first one where I'm kind of like, oh, okay, I'm kind of, I'm going to sit, I'm going to be paying attention tonight to oh, see yeah. what happens. Uh, what, num- what number do the Bears pick? 
Ah, that's irrelevant. We'll, blo- <laughs> we'll, we'll, that'll be wasted. That'll be wasted anyway. So, uh, you know, we, we, we released one of the best cover corners in the league. So uh, we just let him walk away. Oh, we paid you too much. No, he shuts down half the field. You yeah. paid him appropriately. Cut somebody else. <laughs> so now we got to redraft another cornerback who's hopefully yeah. going to be take his place. And of course, we know it's been over seven decades since the Bears had a, a relevant quarterback. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you can't be. I'm a Jet fan, baby. All right, so you got the answer. Well. All right. So I, I joke all the time, right? I, I got that video of Joe running off the field. You know that famous footage. That game was won before I was born. All right. I turned 51 in two months. All right. Okay. That's all I'm gonna tell you. I you've had Kenny O'Brien, you've had Boomer Sison. We we were half away AFC uh, Championship game against Denver. All right, with mm -hmm. Bill Marcel. So we've had Mm -hmm. our moments, all right? Half away. So no, we've come we've come close. But again, man, uh, coming close only counts in what horseshoes and grenades. So (laughs) you know, so I'm I'm chill. We got the second pick and I think they're going to pick up that kid again for BYU. So I'm pretty excited. So, but like, I'm, I can't wait for tonight. I think it's going to be really going to be an interesting draft. Yeah, we've got the third pick the, with the Niners, man. But that's so. what it is. Once we get into three and four, it really gets interesting because uh-huh. it's a lot of questions where it can go. So I yeah. think, again, it's going to be question. I just want to see Goodell getting hugs again, right? Because last yeah. year, I remember him doing it in his basement. And remember, he did the whole thing. He was tired. He was tired. So I can't wait to like, you know, again, we're back to like, Adele, you know, like these guys giving them the brother. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's great. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Nice. Where can people follow you on social media, get a hold of you? Yeah, we're easy, man. So J&D Fitness on Instagram. That's our best one. That's the one we update. We're not doing much stuff on Facebook now. Definitely would tell people to follow us there. That's where we're doing a lot of our stuff, our videos and, you know, the culture of the studio and things like that. Best way to reach out. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on, Doug. We appreciate you, man. Guys, uh, I appreciate you. Great conversation. Uh, you're welcome, man. And uh, to all our listeners out there, until next episode, be good to each other. 